This is who he is. He rolls with whoever he can get him further ahead. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to see that. Alrighty, kids. It's another episode. Hey, we've done two of these in a row now, so we ought to get some sort of a bonus. I think. I think in our bonus structure, let's do it. Uh, I think that's uh, 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 we we've achieved level one. Uh, I am Josh Moon. Uh, this is Alabama Politics This Week, and the other voice that you hear there is David Person. Ah, uh, man, it's uh, it's nice to be doing this thing, although uh, you you look a little weary. Yeah, I've been on the road, man. I had some family. Uh, Death in the family, oh. and I've been on the road a little bit, so well, well, that's I'm road weary. <laughs> road weary, yeah, road yeah, weary. I understand yeah. Uh, yeah. that. Uh, you don't realize sometimes how you know that you, having to concentrate the whole time, all the way, you know, somewhere <laughs> back. It's uh, it really, <laughs> really tough. Yeah. yeah, it really takes it out of you. But uh, you know, we so we, we've got ourselves a uh, a fine program for you today. Uh, Rick Neighbors and uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall, two Democrats running for Congress, are, are going to join us and talk about Common their common sense Democrats. Yeah. I mean, it's common sense Democrats. They've got uh, they've got good platforms. They got uh, they make a lot of sense in in you know in what they're talking about. It's not you know it's nothing anyone should not vote for. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, they're they're good people. Uh, good people. They're good people. They're good Absolutely. People. Um, and so you know, I, it, listen to them. I think you'll uh, you'll, you'll like what they have to say. Um, but. Um, uh, first up, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about current news here. Uh, there was the college Democrats and the college Republicans at Auburn University came together and created a forum, uh, for the U.S. Senate. Uh, they were going to have the candidates there, let the kids ask some questions, uh, of them. Uh, because really, I mean, you know, these are, these are folks who are young people who are politically engaged, uh, aware. They know what's going on. They have a unique perspective. They're the guys and girls who are going to be, you know, coming out of college in a, in a year or two. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be people who lead the, the state and the country. And, uh, and I think there's not a better group of people to, you know, to get in front of. Um, yeah. So one person showed up. One person, one candidate, one candidate showed up, and one candidate was at his home in Florida. I'm just kidding. I don't know if it was or not. Uh, but no. Uh, so Doug Jones showed up, and Tommy Tuberville was a no show again. Which is well, did he did he at least send a mm-hmm. message say, "Hey, I'm not going to mm-hmm. make it for X Y Z reason"? Mm-hmm. Or- Nothing? No, nothing? Nothing I'm aware of. As far as I know, he didn't respond. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't Tupperville coach at all? He did indeed. Okay. He did indeed. He did indeed. As a matter of fact, uh, claims, claims uh-huh. that that is still his city of residence. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The Auburn. Yes, Auburn. Yeah. But so, he wasn't at the farm. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Was and the farm was at Auburn. It was. On the campus of Auburn. Mm-hmm. How big a town is Auburn? I mean, How was big? it like a 25-mile huh? drive from maybe his house in Auburn to I, the campus in Auburn I, or something? I can't imagine it would have been. Not by the address he used on his voting records. It's, it's mm-hmm. not. It's, okay. it's very, very close, matter of fact. Very, very close. But Doug Jones, who lives, I think, in Birmingham or something. Mm-hmm. Like Mountain Brook, maybe. Mountain, Mountain Brook, Mountain okay. Brook. He was able to make it there. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The road's connected. The road's ah, connected. Things came that? together. There's a highway system there is okay there is there is car had gas he got in it and he drove there uh you know maybe somebody drove him i don't know uh but he got but he got there he got there uh spent a lot of time with the kids hung around afterwards 
answered questions, talked to him, took some pictures. I can believe that. Uh, yeah, did uh, had nothing to hide. Talked about his policies. Took tough questions. Kids asked tough questions, and uh, you know, especially the Republican kids there. You know, then uh, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, what occurred there is uh, they managed to turn a few of those uh, Republicans. So, uh, what about these young Republicans? What was their reaction to the fact that their candidate did not show? I, I don't know the answer to that. So, did they just ignore the fact that he wasn't there? Or? I don't think that they 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 were happy about it, but I don't I don't think that they you know they didn't burn anything down. They didn't publicly chastise him in any way mm, uh, not that i've seen not that I, i've okay. been able to tell that they, they did not publicly chastise but well, you know the, the mm. I, I think what the reason i wanted to talk about it because it gets us into a into a broader issue okay. with this campaign uh here and i know that there is obviously a difference of opinion when you can look at two guys like doug jones and tommy tupperville and you could vote for tommy tupperville OK, right, so that's so I know going into this that the people who I guess maybe I'm targeting with what I'm going to say here are already on a on a different level than me. OK, I mean, we're, we're not seeing eye to eye and I get that. But there I, I don't think that there is any person on that other side mm-hmm. who, if I told you, Tommy Tuberville is unprepared and has done little to prepare himself for this job that he's applying for. I don't think that there's anybody who can make a coherent argument otherwise. Well, I certainly don't see any indication of it myself. I, I've never had yeah. anybody. I, yeah. I've, I've talked to people who, and who are voting. And they, and they agree. Well, I mean, they, they won't agree. They'll, they'll say, well, that's, you know, that's not why we're voting for Tommy. We're voting for Tommy because he's not a politician. You know, and uh, and he's going to get there, and he's going to do things like a non-politician is going to do. Oh, well, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's a, it's. Well, I think it's ridiculous <laughs> on his face, first of all, because if you're running for office, that makes you a politician. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. So so, what are you talking about? He's not a politician. Of course, he is. It's an excuse. You know what it is. It's an excuse to be stupid. Yeah. That's what it is. It's an excuse to be well, dumb. It's a, it's, a stu- it's a stupid statement mm-hmm. on his face. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, but it, it excuses him from not knowing basic stuff like what oh, the voting rights yes. is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it excuses him from not knowing that there is no banking and finance committee and you right. know, that he wants to serve on it. <laughs> right. It excuses him from, from understanding the processes and not knowing, not putting in the time because he is lazy. Yeah. Uh, to do this, and that has been Tuberville's ultimate undoing. And I, you know, I wrote a column calling him the laziest man in politics. Uh, and and he lazier is. than Trump. Oh, he's a hundred percent lazier than Trump. Really? Oh, he, oh, oh, because what what kills you about Tommy is okay. is that Tommy has the intelligence, and I don't think he's a bad guy. But he has chosen, as he did in coaching, the path of least resistance because he doesn't want to work. Uh, it's the same reason he got the buyout at Auburn is because he saw what Nick Saban was about to do at Alabama. And he knew that he was going to do some work. I mean, some real work. And it still might not be enough to get him over the hump. And so he went in and told them, uh, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, I'm, my heart's just not in it anymore, guys. You got a hangnail. Yeah, my heart's just not in it. and But I'm not going to leave and Unless you give me the buyout, and so, so you know, at that point, Auburn people were left with, uh, you know, either either we pay this guy the five million dollar buyout, or we're stuck with a coach that doesn't want to be here and isn't trying, and we fall further and further behind, uh, uh, you know, Saban in Alabama. You don't think he has enough pride even to salvage for him to try to salvage Hmm. his reputation either as a coach or as a candidate? Uh, He's he's never done it. 
He's never done. He moved, moved on to Texas Tech from there, bailed on recruits at dinner to take a different job when the heat turned up on him there. Uh, you know, did the same thing at Cincinnati, bailed on them when it got a little – I mean, it was – So to show he's shown a know, consistent tendency to not put in the effort mm-hmm. to try to create a winning program, mm-hmm. especially when people are making you a millionaire every yeah. time you – Sign a contract. Yeah, he just wants to skate. He wants to skate. He wants to do the bare minimum uh, of work and get paid. And he's he's managed to make a, a great life for himself now. Uh, but this this is the same mindset he has with this Senate race at this point. Is he's skating by on this? And I mean, and if you compare him, if you just line up what he says and you line up what Doug says about things, about processes, and you listen to, to Doug Jones talk about, uh, the process of, of, of this and that and how he, what he's done in, yeah. in, in the Senate. And it, it's, it's night and day. Oh, it's well, but this, but this Josh, this, this is why Tupperville is the perfect candidate. He is like Trump. Trump has been skating by. With these half-assed real estate deals, not paying contractors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being being a litigant in in multiple cases, not paying his taxes, on and on and on and on. It's a study in irresponsibility under a facade of success. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't disagree, and and they they are very much alike. Uh, I think I think. Tommy probably has a, a, a touch more integrity than Trump does. Uh, I don't think he will go quite as far, although he has gone pretty far. Well, he's already uh, sitting in his lap. Oh, I understand. He's sitting in his lap but and getting again, cozy. It's it's a it's that's just part of the path of least resistance for him. Well, which you know? makes me question his integrity. Oh well, I mean, I, listen, I, no, I, I I'm not at all saying you shouldn't question the integrity. Don't get me wrong about that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying at this low bar that we've laid on the ground okay, uh, that is right. Trump. Level of integrity, but yeah. Tommy might be slightly above that. Okay, uh, right. and so, but I, I just, you know, I, man, it, it's such a, it's such a disappointment to think that that guy's going to get elected on by by skating like he has, and you know, and what what disappoints me more than anything is is the mindset that people are going to have. Not they're not going to come back on Wednesday morning if Tommy Tupperville wins this election and say, they're, they're not going to come back out and say, we sent the best man, the most prepared man to Washington, D.C., and he's going to he's going to take care of this state. They're going to say, I mean, and I've heard it. I've heard them talk about how Doug Jones is going to lose to a bad football coach hmm. or an average football coach or, you know, or an outsider. And, and that's how the people voting for Tommy Tupperville are presenting Tommy Tupperville. That is that is downright scary. That people really don't see how that's going to have an impact on life in this state. Yeah, you know, you got you got a pristine example of a senator. Not that I agree with his politics or anything, mm-hmm. but Richard Shelby is a pristine example of what a senator can do mm-hmm. to help a state. Yep, you know, politics aside. Yeah. He has delivered for Alabama. He has continued to watch out for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I know, I know, you know, it's, you know, I'm a liberal. He's a conservative. Yeah. He's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. But he still has been a darn good senator. Yeah. Yeah. Having yeah. said all that. Yeah, he has. He has. Yeah, I mean, really. And, and you got Tupperville coming in here. Tupperville is not even worthy to shine his shoes. No. No. And, and what's really, what, what really gets me too is, um, 
is you know Shelby's not going to run again. Um, and so, well, we're going to even scarier. Yeah, I know. And so you're going to let's say Tuberville manages to pull this off. So you're going to have. Uh, Senate that is controlled by Democrats. White House is controlled by Democrats, and uh, and, and the House is controlled by Democrats. I mean, they're going to have a monster majority in the House, most likely, um, and, and a pretty decent majority in the you know a, a, at least a, a majority that can get things done in the in the Senate. You know, and so you're going to have a guy in the minority party, a, a freshman, you know, as a freshman senator, as a guy who nobody wants there. Even the Republicans don't want him there. Uh, you know, that's the reason why they coerced Jeff Sessions to get back in this race and essentially paid him to do it because they didn't want Tuberville. And so you think that guy's going to be able to get any money for the state? Well, yeah, he's going to be at an even more of a disadvantage because of the partisan. Assuming that everything goes the way we hope and pray mm-hmm. it goes, he's going to be at even more of a disadvantage. But he's already walking in with a tremendous disadvantage because mm-hmm. of everything else we've talked about. Yeah. That's it's a it's a shame and and you know and I guess we should uh, before we we slide out of here and, and get in uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall and Rick Neighbors and uh, I you know I said because I just kind of said off the cuff there that we're going to have a, a, a Senate controlled by Democrats and, a, and then the White House controlled by Democrats and a, and a pretty big advantage in the House um, I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, everybody is is really really scared and nervous, you know, given what happened in 2016 and uh, and and looking at at how that went and and I understand that, uh, but I do believe that we learn as we go, uh, and what we learned from 2016 was here are where the mistakes were made in the polling. Uh, here's what the where the mistakes were made in the campaigning, uh, and I think that Joe Biden has covered a lot of those mistakes. Uh, I think Trump has been an unmitigated disaster for four years, and he was going to lose COVID or no COVID, and and he can say otherwise all he wants to. Uh, but I, you know, and the economy would have probably made it a lot closer, but. I don't think he would have won this thing anyway. I think it was an, an absolute miracle that he won it the first time. And given what's happened over the last four years, I think people were always going to pull against him uh, down the stretch uh, in this. And I think that um, the polling at this point, if you dig down into some of those numbers and you look at what uh, the areas where Hillary Clinton was showing signs of weakness and was, there was a bunch of red flags going up at that in, at this point in time in 2016, um, they're they're not there this year. Well, you know, from your lips to God's ears, um, I I I'm not a, I don't share your your sense of certitude or optimism. Mainly because, first of all, I don't believe it's just up to us. I think I think the uh, Russian interference, foreign mm-hmm. interference, is real. Mm-hmm. Our intelligence community says it's real. I think they're right. And I think that that is something that is a is a wild card in all of this. I think voter suppression is real. And it's been it's been manifesting itself in a variety of ways through these bogus um, uh, robocalls that have been done telling people in primarily black communities or black cities that if they vote, if they if they vote early, that. You know, they'll, you know, the, uh, everybody from the dog catcher to child, child support is going to be coming after them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's a problem. That kind of voter suppression, along with what we've seen in places like Harris County in Texas, mm-hmm. where the governor and AG there are trying to relegate those folks down there to one drop off point per mm-hmm. county. 
I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So all of this in the aggregate says to me that while I think you're right about the public sentiment, Mm -hmm. if it were both on that alone, Trump wouldn't have a chance in hell. Mm -hmm. But because it's not based on that alone, I'm just afraid to say... I'm just afraid to say that he's 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 not gonna he's not gonna end up being in office. I, I understand the uh, the pessimism. I do. I think, but I think this. I think uh, uh, the as far as the Russian stuff goes, I think that what we have seen from that is mostly a disinformation campaign that that affects people in uh, you know in in free will ways, uh, not necessarily in technical ways in terms of, of manipulating voting machines and that sort of stuff. Oh, you know that could happen. I'm not I'm not putting aside it could happen um and i think that when you look back at what the where the polling was uh in 2016 it was pretty right i mean it was it was off slightly in a couple of different places uh that that swung the election um and so i think that we can we can certainly over uh, overcome a lot of that stuff with the, with the high turnout that we've seen, and there is a, a tremendous amount of turnout uh, yeah, so far, yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of that has been energized Democrats and people who are voting democratically that haven't voted before. Um, and so I, I do I understand exactly what you're saying too with the the suppression attempts and that you know that sort of stuff that's going on where it is just blatant blatant attempts to stop validly cast votes uh, from coming in, uh, where you have people who have turned in ballots on time. Yeah. And they're going to tell you because the post office couldn't get those ballots, even though they're postmarked properly, mm-hmm. and the post office couldn't get those ballots in time, you're not going to count them? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you went to the polling, I was the analogy that I made the other day, if you went to the polling place on Tuesday and there was a computer glitch that occurred in the afternoon and your ballots couldn't get be counted by that computer until after the 7 p.m. deadline, you would 100% expect those ballots to be counted sure. for them to fix the glitch and get it in there. That's sure. what's happened with our, our post offices. There's a glitch, a very purposeful glitch yeah. uh, that has been uh, that has taken control of that post office. And that's the reason why those ballots aren't being delivered on time. Who in their right mind would tell you that this properly cast ballot that was in on time should not be counted? Who thinks such a thing? I mean, people, honest to God. Yeah, well, I think people who don't really uh, believe in democracy. And people who want to win at all costs and people who are uh, ethically and morally challenged. Because if you can't win fair and square, then what what in the heck are you doing? They can't win fair and square, uh, and they know it. Uh, And I think they've got bad times coming. And so, uh, you know, but, you know, I think uh, I'm I'm an optimist, you know. Well, I don't know that you're called that in all circles, but... (laughs) Well, for the sake of this discussion, there are a lot of things I'm called in some circles. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's slide out here. uh, Bring bring in uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall and Rick Neighbors and uh, and and interview those guys, and um, and then we'll come back and uh, and wrap up with a right wing note of the week and some other stuff. We'll be back right after this. Our government has become so corrupt that it no longer represents the people. You take Ederholt, 97, 98% of his funds come from wealthy corporations. It doesn't come for the people. Our current representative, number one, does not live here. His kids do not go to school here. He does not support our veterans' hospitals. He has voted against equality for 
minorities, for women. He's voted against increasing your ability to earn more with your labor. When you go to the ballot box, focus on your neighbor, your neighborhood, schools, health care, living wages, drinking water, bridges, and our roads. You want to hope and you want to dream that your tomorrow will be better than today. It can be, but you have to do your part. You have to vote. And if you do that, we will change our future. These companies provide the campaign funds to these career politicians so that they will work for them and not the people they are elected to represent. And that is quite wrong. My name is Rick Neighbors, and I approve of this message. All righty, welcome back in. Uh, joining us now, we're we're happy to have uh, one of the uh, the Democrats running for for Congress from the state of Alabama, Phyllis Harvey Hall, is running for uh, the uh, second congressional district seat down there against uh, uh, Barry Moore, uh, who should technically be in prison. Uh, but uh, it, I, Phyllis Harvey Hall is uh, I've I've been through. Well, first of all, well, welcome to the to this uh, to the podcast, Miss Hall. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm. Uh, it's a privilege to be speaking with you. <laughs> well, we, I, we appreciate you saying that. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it's a uh, we, listen. We, I, I've I've gone through the through through your website and and listened to to some of your interviews and and some of the things that uh, you know that, that you stand for. And and I gotta say, it's uh, it's really we, we got to get more of this uh, from the Democratic Party in the state. We got to get more folks like you out uh, in in these races uh, because. What you bring here is a, a viewpoint that I think, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, uh, people can get behind it and agree. I mean, who is not for uh, better public education to lift people out of out of poverty uh, and to give them opportunities? <laughs> who is not for more rural development and rural broadband uh, and those sorts of things? It, you know that and better veterans care as well. And uh, you know, to me, I think that what you, what you are doing here is, is very very important to the state. And I th- I think you should have a, a decent enough shot. And I just you know I, I would like for you to kind of tell people what what you're hoping to do in Congress and why they should vote for you. Okay. As you stated, um, you've been thoroughly reviewed. My platform, which you reviewed, is based upon helping everyday average people to have a, a good quality of life because at the end of the day, at the when the curtains close on us, all we need to know is that we've lived a good life and that our family, our posterity, will have an even better life. And for that particular reason, I'm in this race because as I um, have told many people, I'm from a rural area of Alabama and I was blessed to... Um, have the investment of different government programs and some great people in my life, uh, especially educators and parents who love me and help me uh, to have a life that was elevated out of poverty. And when I get to Congress, I want to make sure that we still have good governance, governance that actually is not a handout, but is there for people when they need it. And, And as I go about educating people, we need to understand that our government is literally funded by us. And when we're in need, that's when you have governance that should step in. And I think about Pell Grants and how they were available to me. Uh, student loans at a lower interest rate because my parents could not afford for me to go to college. As a matter of fact, I was in a private college and had to drop out because of, they couldn't afford the fees. So, um, 
I ended up at Alabama State University because it was more cost efficient for me to attend there at the institution. And we need to make certain that people have a shot, that we have lower interest loans, uh, lower student interest loans, uh, that people can have Pell Grants to help so that our youth won't be saddled with uh, debt for the rest of their lives. And then as we were talking about veterans, I'm not a veteran, but I have a brother who uh, was one of the first in, in in the Gulf War. And I've looked at the effect of that upon his life and the mental um uh, problems he suffered, and even some of the physical ones that he doesn't want to deal with. And uh, we need to make certain that we're giving a whole lot more than just, we thank you for your service. And I am always uh, uh, grateful for the attention that we've seen, that the spotlight, whether it was great uh, uh, or not, but it was needed to be put upon the lack of efficiency in our, our veterans' uh, facility here and we still need to make improvement. And when we think of the number of homeless veterans, I was talking to someone just yesterday about a program here uh, that I think some of the Browners do about trying to help veterans who are homeless and suffering from mental illness to make certain that they give them a place to stay and give them what they call a, a, a cot and, and three hot. Uh, and that's near and dear to my heart because veterans actually put themselves in a place where they are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for all of our freedoms. So um, I want to make certain that we have a streamlined efficiency. And as I tell people, even though people don't like to say Democrats are are mindful of efficiency of funding, uh, as someone who grew up poor and had to learn to manage and worked as a school teacher and part of the budgeting process for schools, I'm very... Um, mindful and cognizant of how money is spent. And I like to make certain it gets to where it is actually needed, which is uh, at the ground level, actually in the hands of the people who are working and average who need it. So I would like to make certain that we keep uh, the focus on veterans care, mental health services, and trans- And when they leave, every veteran that I've talked to says that there needs to be more uh, and a longer process of transitioning out to normal life. So that's a part. Uh, education, you've seen so much of what I want to do with that is actually get a funding through a grant called uh, 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 Initiative for Excel because Alabama needs it terribly. We see a lot of problems in Alabama that could be solved just by a high quality 21st century education. And then when we talk about our elderly and social security, make sure that that's solvent. And rural development, oh, as I've traveled our district. I am in Eufaula. I'm down in Covington County in Andalusia, which there is starting to be growth. And when you're in Union Springs, a historic city that needs so much reinvestment into those communities. And I think I've touched on most of my uh, platform, but if you're looking for more, I want to give you a chance to speak and ask me, but I'm passionate about making sure sure that our lives are better. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. Uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine uh, that there is is anyone who would who would listen to what you've said um, and and find any disagreement uh, with that. Uh, I mean, any anybody who's been to, to Union Springs or in our rural areas in in that neck of the woods down there in the second uh, district, you know. You know what the what the issues are. You can look around and see that uh, that we have a. Uh, 
We have a huge issue down there with with a lack of broadband, with the lack of you know services uh, that are there. That that you know, and and then you have something like COVID come along, and it exposes uh, the haves and have-nots to a degree. Now, where you know you're you're at this point jeopardizing a generation of children down there and leaving them behind because of a simple technology gap uh, that we have that we have that we've identified for years and have yet to do anything about. And, and I agree with you. We, we are starting to see that there's more things to the um, USDA and some uh, some of the money from the federal government for this pandemic. And our governor has said that there's been more money allocated. And, and we, we need to make certain that we are going to stop talking about it and utilize these funding. And, and you have... If we let great people to Congress who are concerned about this and really getting it done and you build that coalition with uh, across the line, because whether you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, we, we must look at this as a need for the future of, of this state and, and for our youth, as you stated, and, and for our the, the outcome for a quality of life to keep our youth here. Because if your youth is constantly leaving, your state is going to start looking like some of these uh, uh, counties that we're seeing, that where people are just leaving for better economic outcomes. So we want to keep our brightest here so that we can actually have them contributing to our economic investment and to improve life for us. And we need them here. And as you stated, the broadband, and that's more than having a school bus parked at a spot. It should be uh, a, just a part of economic uh, development that we really do this and economic justice that we get this done. Yes. Right, right. Without question, without question. So <clears throat> let me ask you, um, you're in a part of the state I believe it's considered the black belt where you are. Is that is that correct? Well, there are you when you go to Bullock County. You, you, Bullock County is um, one of those counties that and you have certain parts of my district. Uh, Bullock County, I think little portions of the southern end from Bullock. Uh, I don't think Barbara makes, it, but there's Barbara some parts of. But you do have parts of my district that do uh, actually uh, what I call they uh, abutted to what's considered the black belt. Okay. Well, and uh, but we are considered, you know, we have the wide grass area that's in my mm-hmm. district. Some of my counties are included, sir. Yes. In the black belt region. Yes. OK, so you're you, you've got some that's in the black belt, some that's adjacent to the black belt. Ms. Hall. Right. Uh, but it's certainly a part of the state that, uh, you know, for far too many of us is just sort of a drive through. You know, we drive, you know, I've seen Evergreen, for example, um, you know, as I'm driving you know, and I know you grew up there, you know, I'm driving down 65 and I'll see, you know, an indication of where Evergreen is. And I sort of drive past it or drive through it. Um, you know, for many of us, unfortunately, that's the state of things. We don't know. Many people don't know about, you know, when I say many people, I mean, you know, uh, people in Huntsville and, and maybe Birmingham, maybe, maybe Mobile. You know, they don't know a lot about what the needs are of your part of the state. Can you tell us, uh, in addition to the broadband issue that you and Josh were just talking about, can you tell us about what some of the other needs of your state are, uh, of that part of the state Uh, are? Yes, as you're driving, you know, and and we need to look at, uh, really there needs to be what I would look at as, I would like to call it, uh, uh, 
a reinvestment, a rural reinvestment uh, agenda that needs to be done. And that's more than just a broadband, but that will help to start business and bring back some economic opportunities for people because jobs and and that is critical you know not just a job but a job uh that gives people dignity in their work and that's a major part of my platform also we we must look at giving people a wage where there's dignity to it. And I'm not saying that we have to jump everybody to $15 per hour because there are a lot, there's much more that you have to look at when you do that and just uh, setting that minimum wage. But there needs to be a definite raise. And and if you look at my platform closely enough, I said there's no reason that we are paying anyone up under $10 an hour if they're doing a a job and they have the soft skill that's necessary. And that's training that as we move on, another phase that I would love to see in rural America, we've got to look at making certain that we are offering uh, jobs, training and and soft skills, and even in the high school curriculum and bringing it to the two-year college, because as we want the best, we have to train them to be the best. And that would mean looking at our our programs to work with our career tech education and those uh, two-year colleges make certain that we're training and we're preparing them for the jobs that will be out there. And as an educator um, uh, who's trained to work in schools, I know that everyone won't go to college, but we have to make certain that we're teaching the skills of plumbing and electrician. So job training uh, would be something that we need to look at in this Rural uh, Investment Act. And I would love to see a, a reenact, or just a reinvestment. And we would love to see, we know that most of the spaces I'm talking about, including Evergreen that you mentioned, Dave, which is my home, which is where I grew up and I love it. Um, there was a lot, there was manufacturing jobs there. And in Monrovo, which is outside of my area, but there were so many uh, manufacturing jobs that were there, textile and, and all the drapery uh, plants that were there that my mother worked in. So we need to make certain that we're looking at what jobs can come back in those old vacant buildings. And we know that it won't be the same jobs, but as we look at creating uh, more renewable energy sources, as we look at uh, starting accelerators and, and building more small businesses in these towns, because I don't think that we will have the uh, economic pool at this point to just draw in the big companies. But if you can start putting in accelerators and looking at the American spirit of ingenuity and letting people start building businesses, and we have a small business uh, investment there and capital for them, and look at how they can create and develop these small towns again. And as we're able to, to, yes, bring our manufacturing back here in our states and, and train our workers to be able to handle these jobs. And we pay American people to do American work, and we buy American goods again. Well, let me – oh, I'm no, sorry. No, no, I thought – go ahead. Yeah, just one one other quick follow-up. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, Ms. Hall. Um, you, as I listen to you talk – I have to echo what Josh said earlier. There's nothing offensive about your platform. I mean, there's nothing controversial. There's nothing divisive. And it just makes me wonder, how do you, as a Democrat, running as a Democrat, how do you get straight Republican ticket voters to just stop and listen for a minute and really key in on what you're saying 
and maybe make a decision to vote for you as opposed to your candidate, uh, your your opponent rather, based on the fact that you you really present a very reasonable, solid, very you know uh, just I I think would be a very beneficial uh, platform for for uh, your part of the state. Well, you know, we're in Alabama now. And much as I hate to say this, but, you know, I am who I am and I, I try to live true and authentic to who I am. We, um, as a Democratic Party, have had some uh, hiccups and we have not been able to... Uh, recover as quickly as we could have from some of the problems. And we have not focused on, sometimes I think we, we almost got, after the Republican uh, takeover here in our state, I think, I don't know what happened. I, I think for a moment it was so disheartening that uh, rather than deciding to just come up with a plan and fight back, I think we just sort of accepted the supermajority and uh, went to our corners and pouted rather than, and everyone had blame, but there was no plan to uh, come back and, and let's challenge this and let's start fighting again. And I think for this year, for various reasons, including some of the problems we've seen at the highest level of our government, that all of a sudden people realize we have to fight because we need balance. We see what imbalance looks like up close and personal right now. And as Democrats, we are concerned about people and we believe the same thing, but we have let our uh, conservative brothers and sisters hijack religion. They are basically focused on that they are the Christians, Democrats are not. And when I'm out talking to people, Dave, I stop them. I'm often asked, what are you? Are you a Democrat or Republican? And, and that has happened. It happened in Enterprise, and I think it's on my Facebook page. I had to stop. I said, is that the first question you need to ask me? Don't you need to know who I am as a candidate, what I believe in? Parties, the two major parties, and I tell them, serve themselves. They're not really serving you. They're not really serving me. Because we're middle-of-the-road people in a lot of ways. And, and, and it's the little person that gets left out, the middle and the working class in this fight. And I said, you need to know what I stand for. And and you come down to two things, and I call them out. I don't let them brush them up under the water. I said, you want to know where I stand on two major issues. And I said, there. And they look at me. I said, God and right. The Second Amendment. I said, which I had no one, no Democrat I know talks about taking away. I said, it's just a soundbite. I tell them the truth. And I said, for as abortion, I said, there's this big push saying that we believe in late-term abortions up to the delivery. I said, ma'am, that's called a birth. And no one is killing babies once they get here. So I said, those are sound bites, and we must be knowledgeable of that. And the other part of that day, we've got to educate people to how politics really work. And, and the Republican Party has done a great job of getting a message out, sticking to it, come hell or high water, that they stick to those talking points and they said them over and over and unfortunately people believe them. You know, I'm called a socialist and I tell them I'm the last thing you would consider a socialist. I've worked too hard <laughs> myself to get to where I am. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's why I said that at the beginning of this, uh, what what you're doing and and people, you know, every Democrat that's, that's running and, and the party itself now, 
uh, I think is is very very important for the future here of this state to have a two party system working, uh, and to have a viable second party as a part of that. And and so I, I think what you what you have done here is. Uh, is 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 very good and it's a good message and it's a message that people need to hear and honestly at some point and it may not you know however it manifests itself in this race here uh you know at the end of the day i think there're going to be a lot of people who look back and say you know i you know that Phyllis Harvey Hall had a great message uh, for us, and and maybe we should look at some things uh, that she was talking about, and and figure out a way uh, to at the at the very least force some Republicans to incorporate it. If not, abandon the Republican Party and start voting for some Democrats again. Yes, and, and and not just just start voting for the candidate. And you know, like you said, that straight party ticket voting. I had a woman that I was talking to in Dothan. She didn't even know that she could actually split a ticket. I said, "Ma'am, if you want to vote for Trump, by all means, vote for Trump. Is he's your choice." I said, "But you can bubble in that straight ticket and come bubble in my name. It's all legal, and you can split, and I can become your representative." And in certain areas, I just have to tell people that they, you can vote for the straight party, but if there's someone on the other side of the aisle, by all means, reach out and just bubble in my name. And it works, and it's legal. Well, well, listen, we, we certainly wish you luck here, and, and I, I really appreciate you coming on with us and, and taking some time to, to kind of spread the message around. And hopefully, 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 uh, all the campaigning and all the hard work you put into this will make a big difference and, and we'll, we'll surprise some people down in the Wiregrass uh, next Tuesday. Oh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's <laughs> hope so, gentlemen. <laughs> We're yeah. not giving up all anything. Right. We're going to fight to the last closing of the polls. No, oh, I hope so. Uh, it's uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall. We, we really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, Ms. Hall. Thank you all for having us. Likewise, thank you so much, Dave and Josh. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All righty, welcome back uh, uh, to Alabama Politics this week. Uh, we are now joined... Uh, by uh, another of the Democratic candidates for Congress uh, running in District 4, uh, Rick Neighbors, uh, who is uh, running against, uh, I think I said uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall was running against a guy who ought to be in prison. Uh, and uh, Rick Neighbors is uh, is running against a guy that nobody ever sees anymore. <laughs> He's, uh, we got to put him on a milk carton in Robert Adderholt. Uh, but Mr. Neighbors, welcome to the to the podcast. And we're, we're certainly happy that you took a few minutes with us this, uh, this week. Thank you, Josh. Josh, and I am most delighted to be here. And yes, we call him Under the Radar Rob. <laughs> the Radar Rob. That's uh, you know. I, I wish, and I'm gonna. I'll do with you the same thing that I did with with Phyllis Harvey Hall. Uh, and and the introduction is was was basically the same, which is <clears throat> what your platform is, and and what your ideas for governance in in our state is is something that there is nobody on in this state who would disagree with anything that you have to say about it. Uh, I mean, there, there's just, if you look at it, it's a straightforward, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's good ideas. It's things that working class people can get behind and embrace. Uh, and I, for the life of me, I cannot understand why anybody would not vote for you, if not for party identification nonsense uh, that comes into play uh, way too often in this state. But if you would, 
take a few minutes, kind of tell people who you are, what you're about, and, and why they ought to vote for you over the, the absentee uh, representative that we have now. Well, I live in Franklin County. I grew up, I actually grew up in North Carolina, came to Alabama in 1979 in Oneonta, moved up to Hackberg uh, in a, with a apparel company there, met my wife. And we married, and she wasn't leaving, and I wasn't leaving without her, and this has been my home ever since. And back in, and then, people, working men and women could earn a living wage, and they can't do that, cannot do that today. Forty years ago, a person with no skills, no training, no education could go into a sewing plant, learn a job, learn it well, work their butts off, and earn 10 bucks an hour. And that 10 bucks an hour, 40 years ago, is the equivalent of $32.21 today. And these were considered low-end jobs in 1980. Think about that. And we, and we in this district, we got 44% were earning less than $10.50 an hour. And we want to know why our rural communities are closing down, our stores are empty, because people don't have money to shop. We're not treating our people well. We've taken money out and not reinvested in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And it did not occur because of some natural act of economics. It occurred because legislatures had made decisions to make working people poor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how do you, how do you go about changing that? How, how do you, if, if you're in Congress, what, what do you do to, uh, to get that back? Uh, to where we once were, to where to where you could, you know, uh, go to a job, come home, sleep easy at night, knowing that mo- you know, oh, pretty much all of your bills are paid, and it, that maybe every now and then you can take a vacation with the family uh, and, and go to a decent college somewhere. You change the incentives, and I'm not saying make laws that you mandate to force people, but we human beings we respond to incentives. We created legislative incentives for people. To, oh, well, bottom line, we created the incentives to reelect career politicians. We created the incentives that the corporations and the big wealthy can get bigger and get more wealthy, and then they supply the campaign contributions to the people who get them reelected. Well, wealth is created by production, by productivity. Our GDP says we are creating good wealth in this country. But the GDP does not tell you who gets the cash. And who gets the cash is the working men and women. Who's not getting the cash is the working men and women who created the wealth. And this is done by legislation. You've changed the incentives, and corporations make choices that will be in their best interest in those incentives or the reinvest in the people in their community. Yeah, you know, I... I noticed, uh, you know, that you, you picked up uh, the endorsement of AFL-CIO uh, and, and, you know, the union shops. And um, and and I, I am a, a big uh, pro-union person myself here. I think that uh, they were what made uh, the, the American middle class along with the GI Bill. Uh, I believe that that the unions are a pathway back to prosperity for a middle class. Uh, and, I, and I wonder what, what your thoughts are on that. Labor is the foundation of our community. Labor is the foundation. Wealth comes from labor. Production, we produce stuff with labor, with products. The unions themselves were... were mm, 
they're at the max was 34, 35% of the working population. Yet, their efforts had such an influence on the people who were non-union. We have the health care that people were making. Minimum wages come through the efforts of the labor unions. But they didn't make that. They demanded they be treated fairly and equitably. But they did not get that through one meeting or one meeting. But they stood together and they said, no, we want to be treated with dignity. We should be treated with dignity. And it's our right as a human being to be treated with dignity and to be paid a fair wage. Now, it helped that we had uh, after that FDR in the in his administration certainly was a great proponent of labor and supported the efforts of labor because you, we have we human beings we're greedy. We're, we're greedy. Well, yeah, I'll take a little bit, and you can do it with a little less. So we have to have some mechanism, some conversation, so that there can be some equity uh, in the distribution of what we create. And then, you, and again, go back to you do that to to incentives. And but not only did labor set the standards of this nation, they created the working standards for working men and men all over the world as the world adopted what the labor had did in this country. The world owes a tribute to those early leaders of our labor movement. Hey, Rick, this is David Person, uh, Josh's co-host. Um, you know, as I listen to you talk about unions and, and labor, um, it occurs to me that while I am a 100% with you on all of that, a lot of people in our state have been conditioned to think um, that unions are evil, that they're a bad thing, and that uh, and that when you say union, you know, the next word out of your mouth is probably going to be socialist, communist, or something like that. Um, how do you make that case in in a state where people are predisposed to to think of unions as as an evil as evil entities. Who are union members? They are our neighbors. Workers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're our neighbors. They're, they live in our community. People they go to barbecues together when when we could go to barbecues or went to church with you when we were going to church. So that's the case that you've made, and you're saying that people respond positively to that when we choose to have a conversation. I'm saying that's the point. We're not having conversations now. You're a Republican or you're a Democrat. And hey, I know what you are. I've never met you, never looked at you, never read a thing about you. But because of your affiliation, I know who you are. And it goes on both sides. We quit having conversations. And it's very easy to dislike or hate something that you don't know anything about. True. Yeah. Have you have you found that to be you know particularly frustrating uh, in, in trying to get a foothold in in a race that I mean honestly if we're you know we're talking about Robert Adderholt here I mean you point to something that that he's done um, and and I, I think most people would have a hard time first of all most people would have a hard time just identifying him uh, and and secondly they would have a, a, a particularly hard time uh, telling you anything he's done has he sponsored any legislation no. at this point uh, he sponsored some he, he's been there 24 years look the guy doesn't even live here he lives in Arlington Virginia he does own a piece of property in Haleyville that he has a birthday party once a year he doesn't live here 
almost down in Haleyville this past Saturday, going around asking people, do you know Robert Aderholt? Most people said, no. Well, I kind of think so. Isn't he a congressman or something? I talked to I, I, I talked to one gentleman. He said, yeah, we went to school together, but he doesn't live here. <sighs> he recently made a statement that he's running for re-election because he loves Alabama and wants to make it better. Well, I say, if you want to make it better, Rob, what have you done in the last 24 years? You voted... I decided vote that gutted eight thousand jobs in DeKalb County. How's that make? How's that loving the people in the fourth district, loving Alabama? How's it making it better? What what vote was that for the that cut the eight thousand jobs? Uh, the CAF, the Central American Free Trade, uh, Central American Free Trade Agreement, that was passed in two thousand and five. Oh. The vote was two sixteen for, two fifteen against, one vote remaining. Keeping in mind George W. Bush was ready to sign it in the law. It had already passed the Senate. It was in the House. It was after midnight in the middle of the night. There was one vote left. Aderhope voted for it. It passed the House 217 to 215. If he voted against it, it would have tied 216-216 and would not have passed. And it's very unusual that a representative gets to side on that one vote alone, the fate of a bill must less the fate of his district. But that fell to Robert Aderholt, and he failed miserably. So, Rick, let me ask you, um, you you're basically saying that Aderholt is a fraud. Um, if he is indeed a, He's a, a fraud, a fraud, you're saying he doesn't live in the state, you're saying that, you know, he basically spends all of his time in suburban D.C., that he doesn't really spend any time in Alabama. <clears throat> You're saying that he's not voting in a way that is uh, that is uh, in keeping with the needs of the state. So you're saying he's basically a fraud. What do you th- how do you think he's yes. being reelected? Because he's also he may be a fraud, but he's also got a. I mean, he's been in Congress for for a good little minute here. I mean, how how do you think he's pulling this up? You make people poor. This district has a rate uh, poverty rate that has risen fifty four percent since two thousand. In this district, the rate uh, the rate of increase the rate of increase is fifty four percent. When people are poor and they're having to work and they can't make it, they don't have time to look up. They trust that the people will, we elect will operate, will decide in their best interest. What they fail to realize, the guy we got in there doesn't, is clueless about, number one, is clueless about their interests, and he only votes for his own interest. We are, we, this district is ranked 405 out of 435 congressional districts has been the, the poorest in the nation. He lives... In Arlington, Virginia, 12 miles from D.C., in one of the top income congressional districts. His children never went to public school in Alabama, never went to school in Alabama. So how does he know that in our rural schools, we've got schools out there with 20-year-old textbooks? He doesn't know that. He He promised Bishop Mountain in 2017 where you've got... 19 homes that live on top of this mountain and the water came, became polluted. They need public water system. 
You need a lift pump, some pipe, and a reservoir at the top. He told in 2017, well, we got the money. The people today still do not have drinking water top of that mountain, which is in Marshall County, his district. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, the power of the Republican brand uh, here in this state, you know, to go back to what you said earlier about people not really having a conversation. Uh, they they just uh, identify you through Republican or Democrat, and and I think we all know at this point that that's how Robert Adderhold is getting reelected. Uh, is we've we've just tagged him as a Republican, and he can just sit in D.C. and not do anything. You know, I what what do you think? How, how do you get past that? I mean, how do you how do you get over what seems to be? I mean, literally, the guy doesn't live here. He does nothing for anybody in the in the district. Uh, here you are riding the roads day in and day out. How do you how do you get past just if somebody's not going to do anything? What you know, or, or and then sells out eight thousand people in the district. How do you get past that? I have conversations. I walked into a volunteer fire department. As we know, they are uh, uh, severely underfunded, and they do all these fundraisers just to go to protect our homes and our communities. In February, I walked into a volunteer fire department in, in Delmar in Winston County, outside of Haleyville. I got there an hour early, and I said, I'm here. I'm Rick Neighbors, Democratic candidate for the House of Representatives. Put me to work. I said, what do you mean? Yeah. I said, I'm come to, come to work. What do you want me to do? I said, okay. He said, you know you're in Trump territory, don't you? I said, well, I'm not running against Trump. So they put me to work cutting fish, and I cut fish for two hours. And they were frying up this fish and selling their plates. And during that two hours, we had conversations and found out we didn't disagree on much of anything. We have to take time to have conversations. Well, I... You know, I think that uh, you know that that what you you've done, what Phyllis Harvey Hall has done in South Alabama, is is very very important here. We've got to put people on the ballot uh, that that will get out and and have those conversations <laughs> and uh, get out, get around and talk to people and let them know that there are options out there uh, that fall outside of what they would normally. Uh, align themselves with, uh, you know, and, and that there are some people out there like yourself uh, who have ideas that they would not disagree with uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, whatever the outcome may be on Tuesday uh, you know, or, or however far thereafter we have to go, uh, you know, I still think that what, what you've done here is, is, is vitally important and the conversations that you've had will make a difference uh, over the, in the years to come. Uh, and, and I hope you feel that way as well. We have tried to just to be with neighbors helping neighbors. Because ultimately, it comes down to your neighborhood, comes down to your family, comes down to people in your community. You take care of the neighborhood. Neighborhood takes care of the community. The community takes care of the city or the county, and the county takes care of the state, and the state takes care of the nation. If we want to build a foundation, if we want to, if we want to create economic growth, if we want to create a world where we can aspire for a better tomorrow, it has to take place at that neighborhood level. It has to take place at the community level. It will not play, take place in Montgomery. It will not take place in Washington. 
And, and, and this tragedy of George Floyd incident is, is a case in point that a tragedy occurred in a neighborhood. People spoke up against that. And their voice got loud enough that the House of Representatives started having hearings on that. The Senate began hearings. And the President administration began conversations about that. Why? Because the people got loud enough they could be heard. And fortunately, it took a tragedy for that to happen. But then you also have to have leaders, elect people to understand that they have to listen to what the people in the neighborhood are saying. And then the people in the neighborhood have to say it so they can be heard. But you've got to have people willing to listen to yeah, and uh, I I hope that uh, I hope that we're trending in that direction. I gotta say, and uh, but uh, listen, Mister Neighbors, I we really appreciate you coming on and uh, and yep. and spending some time with us and and sharing what is a message that I think a lot of people need to hear. And uh, and, and I and man, I hope that it take, has taken root and and that uh, we can we can pull this thing off on Tuesday uh, there and and get a guy out there that's not serving the, his community and his his district and and. Get somebody in there and yourself who I, who I know would and would care and and would do a lot of good things for this uh, this district. But we we really appreciate you coming on this week with us and taking some time. Yeah, thanks, Rick. We appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for having me. That's uh, it's Rick Neighbors, uh, con- uh, candidate for the Fourth uh, Congressional District, <laughs> running against uh, Robert Adderholt up there. We're gonna we're gonna slide out of here. We'll be back in just a minute to wrap things up on the program. That was a good discussion with uh, Harvey Hall and Rick Neighbors. Uh, I got uh, good uh, good platforms. Two uh, good candidates. Uh, I mean, just common sense Democrats that seem to be very in tune with their areas of the country yeah. or the, of the of the state. You know, um, they care. Yeah, and and who are, and who seem to be speaking to the values and the issues of their of their congressional districts. It's mm-hmm. just, um, it's a, it's a shame that uh, we're really, especially up in, um, in, in the fourth district there with Adderholt. Uh, I mean, yeah, know, I, I don't, I have no idea how that guy continues to get elected, uh, and why anybody votes for him or likes him. Um, well, I like, I like his ties. I do. I see it. I see Adderholt in commercials or at events. And I think, huh, that's a nice tie. He's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how he's pulling it off. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's, it's, it's he's a on a tie platform. Yeah, yeah quality ties tie for thing. everybody. It's a tie. Thing. Yeah, that's a. Uh, but you know, uh, Barry Moore is Barry Moore is one of the dumber individuals I've ever met. Uh, mm. But um, I mean, you know, he was a likable enough guy. You know, he's a folksy, mm. you know, nonsense guy. I mean, made a ton of money. He ought to be in jail. Uh, he, 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 oh, really? he, he came within an eyelash. Uh, how 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 the jury didn't didn't convict him, I'll, I'll never understand because mm. he pretty blatantly did what they let him off for doing. But I assume that what the problem was, matter of fact, I don't assume the jury said it was, was that the, they felt the sentence uh, for him would have been too harsh uh, for what he allegedly did, mm. uh, which was lie. Uh, and so, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, you got a good candidate in Phyllis Harvey Hall, good candidate in Rick Neighbors, and, you know, and I, I, I wish him well, and I hope that, uh, that some things don't go as the way the polling would suggest, and, uh, uh, and that you get those guys in there. I, I fear that I am, uh, uh, that, well, that won't be the case, but, you know, well, stranger things have happened, I suppose. 
Speaking of uh, poor candidates, though, uh, <laughs> and poor, even uh, even more poor uh, um, or worse elected officials, mm. right, it's time for the right wing note of the week, uh, and and. Um, this week is uh, is our old pal Steve Marshall, uh, who is the Attorney General for the state of Alabama, and and really, uh, I believe, probably the most dangerous politician in in Alabama. And do you uh, say that because uh, because he he comes across as a presentable guy, you mm-hmm. know, as a as a guy that is is fairly well spoken, you know, uh, not necessarily. Uh, a politician shine, which sometimes works for people, you know that uh, that you don't have that sort of shine like the Merrill shine, you know, where it, you you come across almost too much of a politician, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Steve Marshall can still stand up in front of people and 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 you know and talk and and be believable, I guess. But has proven time and time again to be willing to do almost anything to advance his career. So, what's uh, an example of that? Uh, well, I can give you two big ones. Uh, one as uh, taking the appointment uh, for attorney general, uh, you know, in several, we, we I believe we reported and others have reported in, in APR, uh, is when I say we, I mean APR, uh, and some others have reported as well that he took the appointment as attorney general from Robert Bentley under the understanding that he would immediately start investigating the guys who were investigating Robert Bentley. Uh, so he did that. Uh, then in addition to that, then in the last election, when things were looking rough for him, uh, he took uh, uh, three quarters of a million dollars uh, in uh, pack-to-pack transfer money, which should have been illegal in this state, and which the Ethics Commission has since said is illegal in this state when Democrats tried to do it. Uh, so, you know... That's the sort of guy that you got to keep your eye on because they are so um, egotistical and so selfish and greedy uh, that they would do anything. And, and Steve Marshall is in that uh, in that group. And mm. hey, but that's you know, that is not necessarily the reason why he is uh, this week's right wing nut of the week. Um, yeah, that's uh, just general. Corruption yeah, that's just stuff, general. Yeah. It's just general every day. Yeah. Uh, but. So this week, there was a um, a hearing in Congress. Uh, I guess not technically in Congress. They were all on Zoom calls uh, with with the heads of tech companies. Um, And what what the Republicans are essentially upset about here is that these tech companies have censored and chose uh, you know, a week or two back to begin censoring that ridiculous New York Post story about Hunter Biden. That's what they're really upset about. That's what this whole thing is about, is that uh, Twitter and some others have chosen to remove that story uh, not allow it to be posted, or and in some cases put up warnings with with that story because it was so fundamentally flawed. And so, I'll tell you how fundamentally flawed it was. Yeah. Fox News wouldn't run it. Right. Uh, they, they were it was presented to Fox first, and they they passed because it was so flawed. Right. Uh, and the New York Post ran with it anyway, uh, and so they put up. Uh, warnings on these things, or blocked it outright. Well, in some for, cases, for those who may not know what we're talking about here, talk about Hunter Hunter Biden and the laptop <laughs> and all of that. Could you do a good recap on that? Uh, all right. So here's the basic story of Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. Hunter Biden, uh, who lives in California, uh, allegedly took a laptop for repair in Delaware uh, to some sketchy shop there. Left it in the shop with a man who was legally blind, who didn't see him, uh, but who knew it was Hunter Biden somehow or another, and. 
and then copied the hard drive out of this and found a trove of these hidden emails and messages that proved that Hunter Biden and his father were uh, Joe Biden uh, were, were, were skimming money left and right mm-hmm. with foreign governments and things like this. Uh, none of which has been proven by right. anybody in any way, shape, or form, especially right. relating to Joe Biden. Right. And so what we've ended up with is an embarrassment of a poor kid who's had a drug problem for most of his life, uh, has done some decent enough things. And I mean, if we're, let's, let's be, the other thing here is the hypocrisy of Republicans at this point, talking about nepotism, yeah. uh, when the handmade, uh, the handbag, uh, creators, uh, daughter, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. the you know, Ivanka is rolling around at the UN, uh, you know, Ivanka, uh, her husband, yeah. You know, oh, well, the guy that solved the Middle East peace issues. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, all flo- you know, floating all around with complete access to the White yeah. House and top secret stuff and whatever else. Even though they couldn't get security clearance, right, uh-huh. right, right. And then they're still working in the private sector, making millions of dollars yes. based on the access mm-hmm. apparently that they've got. Yeah, and and also took millions and millions of dollars from China over yeah. these new patents that they were patents, able to secure. That's right. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, spare me, okay? Uh, And so that's what they were all mad about. That's what the Republicans are all upset about. And they, the stupidity of them and, and really the shocking lack of understanding, especially from a state attorney general, to tweet, and this is what Steve Marshall tweeted about this, Twitter is not the ministry of truth. It should concern us all when a platform that holds such tremendous power over information uses that power in contradiction of the principles of free speech and freedom of the press. It is time to change. That's not how any of that works. Right. Um, you know, that first of all, Twitter is a voluntary, you know, is a, is a voluntary organization. Uh, newspapers don't have to put their stuff on Twitter. Uh, Twitter doesn't have to put their stuff up. Uh, they can block anybody they choose to block. Yeah. Uh, and that's not how any of that works. Well, they have uh, the same ability to to exercise editorial control mm-hmm. that any media outlet does. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, this same sort of thing has been put out, has been you know debunked by so many organizations uh, at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, and Josh, I mean, please, you got a Republican White House, a Republican Congress, mm-hmm. both houses. You got a conservative Supreme Court. You got a federal federal judiciary that is top heavy with conservative Republicans. You got all. You got Republican Attorney General, uh, uh, U.S. attorneys all mm-hmm. over the country. And you all couldn't you all couldn't prosecute based on this this dubious story uh, that makes it even more dubious. I, I just it's it's really you know what what makes it worse is as I know what he's doing you know and, and he of course then started writing essays and all this other nonsense because people made fun of him on Twitter and he thought that that was attention that he liked and so so Steve Marshall started writing an essay for some other nonsense about how we need to reform uh, you know uh, it's. I am so tired. Uh, I'm so, so tired of these people like this and this nonsense uh, of just hopping on a bandwagon. Steve Marshall, Steve Marshall was a Democrat. That's where he started. Mm. He was appointed by a Democratic governor. 
This is who he is. Mm-hmm. He rolls with whoever he can get him further ahead. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to see that. And I mean, honestly, to give the cre- give credit to Alabama Republicans, I believe they mostly saw through uh, and, and would have voted him out if not for just a monumental amount of cash flowing into an AG's race, uh, you know, in the state uh, a couple of years ago. And it's just... He's been so lousy, and it's so it's so disheartening to see people fooled again and again and again by these guys like this. It's these carnival barkers. That, but this is the era in which we are living. I Look know. at who's president. I know. He but was a, he used to support Democrats. You know, he was at Hillary. He was at um, uh, uh, the Clintons were yes. at his wedding. I know. You know. I mean, this is. This is the age in which we live. He's a carnival barker. He's a con man. Yeah. This is the age in which we're living. I, it just, I know, but it's still, it's so tiring to see it, you know, and it's so tiring to see, but it, and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not that I disagree with it. It's that it's so stupid. It's so unbearably dumb. I, that's what the part I can't take anymore. It's, it's just this, the unbearably dumb aspect of this whole thing. Of this moron saying, oh, it's not the ministry of truth. And it's for, against free speech and free... No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Anyway, and if you think that, how in the hell did you become an attorney? Much less the attorney general of the state. Right. You know, I mean, just shut up and get out of here. Right. And I, I'm so... I'm so sick of this. And if we don't have some sort of 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 an awakening in this in the country, I don't know where things are going to wind up. I mean, the the stupid crap that people believe now that you can throw out up against the wall just based purely on Republican Democrat, who you know, whoever's throwing it up against the wall. I mean, and, and look, I, I, and you know what? No, I'm not going to say that because that's wrong. That's wrong. Democrats don't do that. Democrats, for the most part, don't do that sort of nonsense. You look at the platforms that they have and the things that they say, and it is not that ridiculous nonsense. Okay. Well, I think I think you know, as a as a as an entity, I would agree with you. I mean, we've had some candidates, so, mm-hmm. but, but as an entity, I, I would agree. With that. Yeah, we're we're not we're not saying this. Not we're not, you get there are things where you I can give an opinion, and you may disagree with my opinion about, say, welfare, for example, how much we should give. Those are opinions, and we can look at data and and look at how that works. But you can't just say blatantly untrue stuff and then expect it to to then say, "Well, that's my opinion." No, it's not. Yeah, there's a difference between an opinion based on reasonable, uh, something that people would deem as reasonable facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where it's a reasonable assumption that you can draw. Yeah, one of several assumptions. And just making stuff up. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Big difference. Well, and that, and that's what they're doing so, so often. And, and I, I just, I, you know, it, it's driving me insane more and more. Not so much that they're doing it because I know why they're doing it. They have a, they have a goal. What, what bothers me more than anything is the number of people that I see. And so, in some cases, people who I would, I would say are intelligent people buying into it, uh, yeah. and, and, well, and eating it and spreading it around. And again, I just keep coming back to the fact that you're angry at Twitter. Yeah. But you're not angry at the Republican White House, Congress, or anybody else that is in a position to really pursue this in a, from the standpoint of the justice system. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? How is it that Twitter is at fault for what the justice system can't do when there's this great evil mm-hmm. and you're mad at Twitter? And this supposedly great evil. I mean, it just doesn't even, it's not logical. No, it, it doesn't make not, any sense. It's not logical. But what they, what they want and what they see here is the problem. The reason they're so angry is, is they see their last hope 
for spreading BS, right. fading in the distance. Right. And that's right. what they that if Twitter and Facebook begin, uh, you know, requiring that things at least have a modicum of truth to them mm-hmm. uh, before they are posted and spread around. Then God help the Republican Party. Well, they just go back to the Drudge Report, or well, Drudge is belt on at this point. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and but there there are very few there are very few places out there. But that's not mainstream enough. You know, they've got to get they've got to get mainstream. They've got to find some place out there uh, that'll let them continue to spread the lies. And otherwise, they're doomed, man. And 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 that's the reason they're fighting so hard, and that's the reason they're so angry about this whole thing. Is is without those BS stories and without them being able to spread their stupid memes and their untrue stuff. Then they're they've got some real issues. They have to go here. back to the old fashioned way of just spending money, set up a website, put up whatever foolishness you want, mm-hmm. buy advertising on Fox News or One America or whoever you want, and direct them to that. But then yeah. you got to spend money. You got to be strategic. Yeah, well, as opposed I, to Twitter, which is a different animal and it's free. Yeah, it's and it's you know I just I don't I think they are. They they're having some real issues here. If you look at if you look at Facebook now these days, Facebook is a bastion of right wing propaganda. Uh, I mean, you look at the top ten pages every day on Facebook, and it is all, pretty much every single right. day. Yeah, it's all it is all it is all far right wing. The Dan Bongino, or whoever that dude is, and uh, you know yeah, the Donald know. Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and that, that oh, you know, okay. Franklin Graham and. All right, uh, I think that's probably going to wrap it up for us here this week. And uh, listen, uh, you know we're, we won't be back until after the election. And uh, y'all go out and vote, of course, please. Uh, but you know, try to stay sane. Yeah. Um, and you know, we we may have a, a few days of, of uncertainty, and you know, we may have to evict a guy. But um, we we know some people that can do that. Uh, and uh, we'll get him out of there. And I think that that's, uh, that's what's going to go down. That's at least my, my thought process is that's what's going to happen. Ultimately, we're going to, we're going to get through the thing and, uh, you know, no matter what happens, we're, we're going to get through that too. So, uh, uh, we're optimism, optimism cures all. So, all right, that's, uh, that's it for us. Uh, until next time, uh, you guys be safe out there and, uh, we'll take it easy. Folks. Yeah. Take it easy.